0: Welcome to WorkFuel, the podcast. This is the very first episode, and I am delighted to be your host. My name is Colette Hennigan. I am a nutrition and performance coach. I'm co author of the book WorkFuel The Productivity Ninja's Guide to Nutrition. And I'm the founder of a corporate wellbeing organization called Optimal Living. This podcast is a chance for me to share some of the personal stories from my coaching journey and doing so in a a slightly different format because we're going to hear from real life business professionals, people that are out there making a positive difference to their own well-being and the people around them. So rather than hearing from health experts, doctors or athletes, this podcast is about true living proof of what taking care of yourself looks like in the real world of work. No matter how challenging our work, social schedules, or how long those to-do lists are, we all owe it to ourselves to invest in our well-being. But sometimes, sometimes the challenge is just knowing where to start. And it's so easy to dismiss these things as something that you can do when you have time. So please do stay tuned for some tried, tested ideas, wisdom, and inspiration about how you can begin to create positive change for your health and well-being and today i am super excited because my very first guest on the first episode is my co-author graham olcott he is the best-selling author of how to be a productivity ninja he's the founder of the global productivity company think productive he's a great dad he's also a keynote speaker And he's an Aston Villa fan, but hopefully we can forgive him for that. So in this podcast, which is part of a two-part series, this is part one, Graeme and I are going to discuss why we do what we do, how we met, how the book came together, and a little bit about the book journey. But hopefully you're going to distill from this some ideas and some of the inspiration that we got in order to actually write this book in the first place. So let's dive right in and let's start with our very first guest, Graham Um
1: So it's been it's been a fun project um, and a really rewarding one, and it's uh, taken quite a long time to come to fruition. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit further down the track in this conversation as well. But it pretty feels like a good place to start would be how we both got into the whole thinking about food and nutrition and how that can power our productivity Mm -hmm. and i sort of come into the story a little bit later so let's start with with your own story colette so how did you first start thinking about the food that we eat and how it affects our work
0: yeah i think this is a great opportunity to just kind of introduce this um at this point um So, yeah, I mean, my journey started uh, probably around 10 years ago, maybe a bit more. And uh, at that point, I was working for a large global telecoms company, working in the sales arena, managing a team and and, and demanding accounts within there. So demanding clients, big target, uh, traveling a lot. And food was very much an afterthought. You know, it wasn't something that was anywhere near my agenda, let alone top of it. And, you know, I would literally run on days like, you know, having a fast breakfast, which is something generally from a packet. And just pouring it into a bowl, something along those lines. And that's if I had breakfast. And then lunch would kind of feature intermittently, shall we say. So sometimes it was there, sometimes it wasn't. Sometimes I'd get to 4 p.m. and go, oh, my goodness, I haven't eaten yet. Or I would just kind of grab it on the run. Um, as I was going through a train station or airport or at the office, and just take it into meetings with me. So, be kind of managing and steering e- meetings with one arm and then with the other, kind of stuffing a sandwich into my mouth. So, that was kind of the working day. Um, and the issues kind of came or were compounded, shall we say, when I got home, because by the time I'd get home, I'd be quite tired. And I was uh, then not really feeling the mood for cooking, you know, a cordon bleu meal for myself or anyone else for that matter. And so I'd just be looking for convenience at that point. And often I wouldn't have much in the fridge. So perhaps I would have grabbed something on the way home that I can heat up or um, kind of try and cobble something together. But I think the main thing for me was that um, nutrition was an afterthought and uh, I started to feel the consequences really um of of living that way
1: and so very sort of fast instant lifestyle, what were the consequences what what started to uh, feel like it was affected by how you were living?
0: Yeah, so I, I, immediately I, I didn't make the link, you know. I didn't kind of think that, oh, the reason I can't concentrate on this task is because I haven't eaten for hours or, you know, I've not actually had a glass of water today. I didn't make the link between the two things. But I guess that the key symptoms now on reflection was the fact that I couldn't concentrate for a long period of time. I would often find myself in meetings, you know, kind of flicking off into another land or thinking about something else. Um and so my concentration spans were quite low and and then my energy was fluctuating so i'd be a bit of a roller coaster so some points i'd have energy maybe just after a coffee and then and then i'd be found myself in a real lull and i literally had uh, a bit of a um a deal with one of my friends that was in the team as well and if we were in meetings uh, we would f- especially kind of darken meetings because you're watching a presentation or there's no natural light and that kind of thing so darkened meeting rooms but um i would we would just like kind of jab each other with a pen to keep ourselves awake <laughs> um, and this used to happen quite often um and and we weren't the only ones as well you know there was other people in the room that were also nodding off and so it was it was you could see that other people were tired too because you it doesn't take a rocket scientist to work out because people often look tired as well um so tiredness for me was was one and the other was this lack of concentration um and then the tiredness started to affect my social life so I was kind of cancelling personal things in the evenings or weekends just because I needed to recoup and and rest um, and I just felt like I didn't necessarily have the energy for those things.
1: And I think it, it's a really easy cycle to get into. I know that in the first few years of, of my career, I think the other thing is when you're in a new organization and when, when you're in a job that you feel like you need to prove yourself and you really feel like, you know, you've got big targets to hit and all that sort of stuff. I remember I used to run down the corridor from like meeting to meeting because i don't want to waste the three minutes that would take me if i walked you know and just like yeah just things like that and so food just feels like this thing that you just grab and i used to eat all those ginsters packet sandwiches and you know just probably stuff that's on reflections really bad but it does feel like and particularly when you're in those early stages of the career where it's like everything's new it's work hard play hard you have naturally more energy. So you feel like you can maybe sort of abuse your body a little, a little bit more as well. Right. Like you feel like you don't have to think about it so much. It's very tempting.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think you've, you've, you've hit another point there as well. I used to kind of accept the meetings that were back to back. Cause if I had a gap, then surely I need to be like hyperproductive and fill it with another meeting. And it did mean that you were, you, you know, you were constantly chasing the tail because um meetings always have a tendency to to kind of fill the time they've allocated or or overrun uh, which means you're late for the next one so you just felt really bad being even later you know trying to get some food and and delaying the start of that meeting
1: um so
0: and so and, and also i just didn't prioritize it you know and um and so this, it started to take a toll on me personally. And those were the initial signs, but then it kind of worsened with things like I just wasn't sleeping as well. I found that I put on weight. Um, you know, I just found that, that my mood was lower. And and so those things combined um, were were kind of the trigger for me to, to make some changes.
1: And was there like a sort of particular light bulb moment where you just decided to to sort of make radical change to how you eat and how you kind of supported yourself?
0: Yeah, I think the the kind of, it, uh, rather than light bulb, it was like a bolt of lightning <laughs> <laughs> that hit me. And I remember being in uh, presenting um, a particular uh, kind of client environment and I, I got a pain across my chest. That I'd never really experienced before, I was only you know in my late twenties i wasn't um I hadn't been doing it for thirty years and uh and and I didn't really know what it was at that point. I now know that that I was having a panic attack, but I do realize that the things that had contributed to that was the fact that i hadn't slept very well the night before um I'd been burning the candle literally at both ends and I hadn't been well you know eating well for weeks leading up to it, so I could blame it on that like high intense kind of environment but actually it was all of the cumulative effect leading up to that moment that that uh, put me in that position you know so I was probably starving at that point hyperglycemic you know so low blood sugar levels just had a crash and then presenting in such a a high pressure environment uh, it's just not the cocktail for success basically and I think that bolt of lightning was exactly what I needed because it made me really reflect on the things that I was doing um, and I went off on a bit of a personal mission to go and say, well, what do I need to do to make this better? And that's really where it all started.
1: Yeah. And then I met you, we were doing um, a big client wellness day, weren't we, where you were doing the nutrition side of it. I was doing the productivity side of it. And um, we had a, a mutual friend, Rob Garrity, who's actually been on, uh, on my podcast before. And um, he had kind of, in the initial um meeting kind of introduced us and got us both into that project I think it was like you you and him were both working on it together weren't you and um that's where we first met so you by that stage were much more kind of walking the talk you were eating really well you were feeling much better you'd had a bit of a kind of revolution within yourself and were then teaching others how to go about doing this kind of stuff
0: yeah so I think that was our first kind of uh engagement together Uh, but I did meet you at your book launch so that was where I got the inspiration of potentially working together because I felt that productivity had such a fit into the work that I was doing yeah so like I say long story short um I uh, I went off on a different direction and actually resigned from my role and I went back to uni so I retrained in this area of health lifestyle nutrition another undergraduate qualification and, and a master's in it and and then I'd, at the point when you and I started to work together, I'd already set up my company, Optum Living. And so, yeah, so we collaborated on that particular delivery for the client, um, which was great because it brought both of our kind of um, expertise together. And I, and I think that's why we, we carried on.
1: For sure. And so you've been doing this work for a number of years. And then mm-hmm. I suppose the next part of the story was, was me Uh, Mm -hmm. phoning you up basically and saying I need your help I I need I need more energy and I think you can help fix me Uh, and and so then I started to become uh, one I guess one of your mentees really Uh, so so we kind of you did uh, I engage you to coach me basically over a period of time to Mm -hmm. uh, to look at what I was eating and and so on so can you remember what I think the first thing that we did around that was you uh asked me to fill in a food diary what were your what were your impressions of my food diary do you remember
0: yeah so um I think that's a quite an interesting question actually it was um uh very kind of one-dimensional um and kind of I could have just used a handful of colors to to color it all in if I needed to um uh, so it was it kind of like lacked adventure and diversity and there was a lot of repetition in in your initial food diary and a bit of kind of irregularity too but I'd like to pose a question back to you actually before we get into that that next step that next kind of step that we took and say why did you engage me you know what was it that there was a the compelling moment and you thought You know, I actually want to work with Colette directly. Oh sure, Um, yeah. What was it?
1: Uh, So I, I I was going to come back and talk about this. I wasn't glossing over it, but so the (laughs) the thing for me was so obviously I'd been practicing what I preach around productivity for a number of years, and I felt like I was doing everything right, but I felt like I was still getting to the end of days. And at you know maybe sort of three four p.m. feeling quite tired and just not feeling like I had the kind of stamina. Um, and then I had a particular period of time where I I basically got diagnosed with depression. I don't know how long really I'd had depression for, and I think I mm-hmm. I'm someone who definitely suffers through the winter months. I th- like I'm very sensitive. I think to to vitamin D like it, and I don't, I've never had it diagnosed as seasonal affective disorder, but I think I have that. Mm-hmm. So in the summer months, I feel like I've got more energy. In the winter months, I feel very, very sluggish. And I I could have, you know, a few years ago, I was having periods where I would, there'd be several days in a month where I might get out of bed and just think, no, not today. And, you know, just, just be very low and very, very low on energy and, and kind of, kind of slumping around the house and that kind of thing. Um, so it was a big problem for me and I got diagnosed with depression. I was on antidepressants and then I'd taken a decision. I'd gone away to Goa, which I quite often would do in the winter months. And I'd sort of taken this decision. I was doing yoga every day. I was exercising, I was eating well. And it was like, right, I'm going to throw everything I can at this in order to sort of beat this depression and to come off the medication that I was on and all that sort of thing. So that was probably for me, the, the big, uh, light bulb moment or light, lightning bolts probably is more of a fair description of that one too and and just kind of reaching out to you and saying hey help
0: yeah so that <laughs> that was the moment because you 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 kind of had um some respite i guess from how you were feeling whilst being on holiday um and having that break in goa and I remember having a conversation was, well, but how do we do this in real yeah, life? Yeah. You know, how do I continue this? So, yeah, so we started off and I said, well, I need to know where you're at now. So we obviously did like a, a proper first consultation, try and find out all of that gritty detail. And and then you filled in that lovely food diary for me, um, which which I still have. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I have it. <laughs> Treasured. <laughs> <laughs> it's a printout in my office. No, it's
1: not. Framed. Um, what not to do yeah
0: (laughs) no um absolutely so so i think that's kind of where it started for us working together and then from there we kind of um built a way of of working and for me to support you do you want to tell us a little bit about how we did that
1: yeah so i mean the main bit that i found very helpful we did some skype calls around this but the, the main crux of it i guess was me taking photos of every meal and then sending them to you on WhatsApp. And I think I was quite skeptical when we first thought of that as a as a sort of coaching model. But I think it had a couple of really nice effects. The first was it made me really mindful of, okay, if I'm going to have another two glasses of wine this evening, then I have to send photos of those to Colette. And like, you know, there there's a kind of there's a kind of natural Uh, sort of accountability that develops out of that, which definitely just reinforced the good habits and and helped to sort of cut out some of the bad ones. Um, So that was great. And then I think the other thing that was really useful about it is that it allowed you to offer really practical little tips and tricks for things I could do. So it would be things like, you know, you'd say that's a great meal but like maybe chuck some sauerkraut onto the side of that or throw some nuts into there or like just little things that would not really take more than a few extra seconds of preparation but would actually just transform a meal and upgrade a meal from being you know one level of of nutrition to being you know a much greater level of nutrition and there was a lot of other stuff that we did as well i think the the work that we did to sort of identify good vitamins and minerals and and some of that stuff. And particularly for me, one of the big insights was around the conversation that we were having around adrenal function and, you know, coming back to your thing about Mm -hmm. the presentation that you're doing and having that panic attack, like adrenaline is a wonderful thing in the human body, right? Like it allows us when we've not been putting the work in with the right nutrition and stuff to, to really kind of get through the pressured situations Feeling really alert and on form. But of course, the consequence of that is that you have that adrenal crash. And I think you'd really recognize that for me, that was something that's happening a lot. And I think that was a really helpful mm-hmm. part of the process as well was those conversations we were having sort of in and around the whatsapp groups to kind of determine some of those things that i particularly needed to work on
0: yeah and and uh, i think that's something that a lot of people can can relate to in our you know current business world is that we rely a lot on these adrenals which is you know a, a stress function and uh, we absolutely need um them there and, and a bit of a, of adrenaline and a bit of stress is all part of being human but the issue is, is when we call upon them for all of our kind of energy all of the time um and these guys really need the rest and the reason i could recognize it in you wasn't just my studies was because i'd seen all those things in myself retrospectively but uh, i'd seen those things in myself and uh, knew the path to, to kind of rebuild them um and so and so t- tell us then graham what did you feel you know in terms of this you started on a new kind of approach to food and lifestyle and what did uh, you kind of glean from it what what were the benefits
1: well i think it's interesting because at the time i felt like it had this really transformative effect and i think now that's just become my new normal so now i just i just operate on a on a higher level of energy generally and that's just the default for me so i, I start to notice that now the other way where if i start eating badly for a couple of days or something or even just a couple of meals, I start to think, oh, right, yeah, I, this is why I feel a little bit more sluggish now or a little bit more tired. But at the time, when I had very low energy, you know, particularly just for me, like starting the day with a really good breakfast, being mindful about what I was eating for lunch, um, I remember you said something really that, that kind of, you know, it, it it transformed how I thought about food, really. You just said, I think there was, a t- there was a day where I I sort of sent you a photo of something that was a bit... Uh, half-arsed and not very nutritious (laughs) and you know i then followed it with an excuse like oh well you know i've been really busy and i haven't been shopping or whatever and you know this is this is all i've got sort of thing and and you just sent me about this one liner that just said well you eat well when you've got good stuff in your fridge and i was like ah okay so it's actually about how i think ahead and prepare and all of that sort of thing and that's going to help me get there but yeah i really just started to notice much more energy i was I just had much better moods and it just felt to me like a very nourishing thing that I was doing and really kind of helped me to come out of that, that sort of period of depression and very low energy, um, just feeling really good again. And, and yeah, so, so from that point of view, it, for me, it was something that I really wanted to share with as many people as possible. I was really annoying all my friends talking about it at the time just boring them with all this stuff. But like, it really felt like this is something that if we could capture this in a book, then that would be a really great thing. But yeah, it was just this huge kind of burst of energy.
0: Yeah. And I, I just think it's so brilliant that you just normalized that level of energy now, Yeah, you know? So, and, and, and I think, you know, we've written about it in the book, which we'll move on to in a moment, but, you know, this stuff really does feed itself, excuse the pun, you know, you do a little bit, you feel so much better and you don't want to go back to your old normal. You, you want to kind of carry on on the journey. And, uh, and that's where the motivation comes from because you do feel, feel those differences. Um, and you know, it's it it doesn't have to be too complicated or difficult but it it, it is like on a trajectory you're a bit you know you're progressing as you go through it um but it's always like a small thing that you can do today and that's what we focused on at the start was let's just do three things for the next two weeks um and these are the things that you can do so it's kind of about breaking them down and making it much more kind of evolutionary rather than this transformational kind of completely change your life in a, in 12 hours kind of approach. For
1: sure. And I think, you know, we talked about this in the book. So in the book, we have the nine essentials of the work for your way. And one of them is about consistency being something to value over the idea of intensity. And I think that really resonated with me just in, in the way you were coaching me as well, because I think it can be very easy to jump into whether it's slimming world or a ketone diet or paleo or 5-2 or whatever you know and to have this very big sort of transformative you know sort of reaction which is to which is to sort of jump both feet into what can often be quite an unsustainable lifestyle right like it's really hard to keep up Mm -hmm. a, a fasting diet or a ketone diet or whatever it is and so i think The way you explain it to me was, actually, if you just consistently eat really well, then the great thing about that is you can have, you know, you can have a meal where you don't necessarily eat something that's healthy, or you can skip a meal here and there, or like things can happen that actually will not be the end of the world if you're just generally and consistently eating good stuff, and you can have a chocolate bar occasionally, right? And you can kind of have some of the stuff that you that you really like. It's not about being um, a martyr around these things or or being too puritan about it either. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, the tortoise beat the hare, as we say. Um, it's these small things that you you can tweak, and they, and they don't take a massive investment because one of the big barriers to the work that I do is people just say I don't have time yeah you know I just don't have time for that and and I think kind of what we you know we try to demonstrate by working together and bringing your productivity skills and uh you know the the kind of common sense approach from my my um kind of nutrition understanding was just really that you don't need loads of time and it's just about kind of that preparedness a bit of kind of planning up front and then before before um you even realize it's just what you do yeah versus you know um you're having to be so aware every time you go to a restaurant that they may not have what you can eat or that you're going to a family dinner and again they may not have what you can eat because you're on this really kind of strict regime so there's definitely um you know, things that we can, we could be doing uh, that are very small, but have such uh, sustainable and long lasting effect.
1: So let's talk about ninja preparedness a little bit then, because I think, please,
0: yeah, I think great. that was um, yeah.
1: probably one of the conversations that we were having where it became very clear that there was such an overlap between what you're doing and, and, and productivity ninja, and it just kind of felt like, ah, all these themes are kind of similar. So just as an example right now is I cooked I cooked a a veggie curry last night. And I have nextovers. Nice. So in my fridge to have for lunch is is the next nextovers from that. <laughs> I'd never heard of nextovers before. Do you want to just briefly explain what that is for anyone who hasn't quite got the pun?
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so it's basically uh, being more strategic about leftovers. So leftovers kind of ha- just happen if you just don't finish uh, the end of a dish or something that you've made. Whereas nextovers, you say right, okay, how many carrots can I ever bother cooking? you know cutting in in order to make this dish even more padded out so i can have another three meals afterwards and not just carrots but obviously mushrooms or some extra piece of fish that you could maybe throw in the oven at the same time or a sweet potato but just thinking about kind of you know what's the next meal that's coming up what's next um as you're chopping because you've already got the chopping board out by that point and the knife and the stuff out the fridge that you can just wash on mass and and chop up and throw in a
1: the other one that I really liked that that you taught me is like, if, if you're putting like a fish pie in the on one shelf of the oven or whatever, so you've got a whole shelf of the oven that's got nothing cooking on it. So you taught me the thing about just like cut up a butternut squash and put it in a tray and then put some oil on it. And then you can then use that to throw into salads and to kind of have as little kind of half portions of stuff for the rest of the week. And to me, like the geeky efficiency head part of me loves the idea that like, okay, if I'm going to pay to heat up the oven, I may as well get full value out of that, right? So, so I just get this real kind of like, uh, you know, little geeky bars out of doing that that kind of thing. But yeah, like it's this whole thing of, you know, if you're going to put the effort in, then you may as well, with any. I think with any meal, you know, you may as well make six portions or eight portions rather than one or two. And then, you know, mm-hmm. you can bag those up and you've got, you know, really nice... You like you know simple meals that take a few minutes to just like whack in the oven or whack in a pan or whatever, and and kind of defrost them later.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's it. And you know that little trick of the butternut squash could easily be a sweet potato, a courgette, uh, an aubergine, and you can you don't even need to chop these up. i'm talking about putting whole foods in so because obviously once they're cooked they're very easily just to chop and again like you say throw into a salad or even blend the next day with some stock and you've got a veggie soup and you suddenly seem like you're brilliant at this stuff but actually it's just all about that forethought like future gifts to to ourselves we kind of put it um you know so if you're coming home late and you've got a fresh soup in the in the In the fridge to go or a chili that you made last night oh my goodness that is like the best feeling you know you're tired and there's just like no chance that you're gonna bother getting the chopping board out but you just need to throw something in a pan and it tastes really good and it's just gonna like top off that day you know in a much better way than what you would have done if um you wouldn't have created that for yourself
1: absolutely and for people listening to this who are you know maybe on the move quite a lot sort of not cooking at home but relying on hotel food and restaurant food and and of you know and the marks and spencers and and sort of tesco sandwich shops and stuff what would you what would you give them as advice around preparedness how can they make some of those meals better just with a bit more extra uh sort of strategic thinking around it yeah
0: so this is like moving away from you know you don't have to be perfect with these things so even if you've you know bought something you've put it in the oven out of a box and you could buy a box of tomatoes and then just chop a few and put it on the side. That's an upgrade. Uh, Maybe you could buy a bag of greens, the salad greens and you could just empty the bag out and put your box dish on top of it. Um, And it's just like the small things like that. Maybe when you're picking up lunch and you've only got time to grab a sandwich. And those days happen to all of us at different points. So completely understand this. And you only have that time. But there's also a fruit bowl there that you could grab an apple and a banana or something for your kind of sandwich rather than the bag of just crisps. Um, and so you just start to bolster your diet just by doing small upgrades like that and, 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 and making it simple for yourself. So wherever you are, you can start today.
1: My favorite one as well, which is which is in the book, is so now whenever I fly, thanks to you, <laughs> I always have at least one avocado in my hand luggage and probably a bag of nuts as well. And the avocado is great because if I'm on a if I'm on a long haul, I will order the vegetarian um, Hindu meal usually or Indian vegetarian, whichever it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason being is you tend to find I don't really like mushrooms you tend to find the 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 British vegetarian stuff is all just like horrible fried mushrooms and you know horrible stuff Whereas like I know I'll always get a good veggie curry if I get the Indian vegetarian or (laughs) Hindu, Hindu vegetarian so I'll order that but then I'll pull out this avocado and then with the plastic knife just kind of scoop all the avocado out and just put that on the side so you know there might be loads of salt and loads of fat within that meal and it's kind of unavoidable really on a plane unless you're going to bring your own which you might want to talk about in a minute <laughs> but to be able to just upgrade that with some nuts and avocado and stuff that i know is a bit more fresh and i know it's a bit more work fuel um just really feels like a good uh, upgrade and also just feels like it, you know, it doesn't really now take me any time. It's just, it's almost just ingrained as when I'm packing, it's like, right, what, am, what food am I going to chuck in the bag? As well as thinking about, have I got my headphones and all that sort of thing, you know?
0: Exactly. Yeah. It just becomes part of what you do. and And for me, it's obviously the top of my agenda. Um, but I love that you travel with your avocado just like I do, you know, get it out in my tray and chop it up into whatever I've been given, whatever meal. And I always try to order a special meal too. That's a very simple hack, shall we say, of the air. The airlines, you usually get something better.
1: Yeah, um, yeah.
0: When you do that,
1: although you don't, you don't often eat the plain food, do you? You quite often just have your own complete meal, did you?
0: Yeah, I, I, I tend to take more um, than than just an avocado. So I always like take some chopped crudites, just like carrots, celery, cucumbers, maybe some hummus um to go on top of those, the avocados, some little packet of oat cakes, um, some fresh fruit, an empty water bottle that I can then fill up at different points, you know, just before after going through security, a big one, so I've got lots of fluid on the on the flight. Um and that's when I can, you know, so yeah. I, I do a lot of business trips and sometimes I I'm not starting from home, so then it's a different story, but still the water bottle's with me. Um I'll try to I would have tried to steal stuff from, uh, for breakfast, <laughs> you know,
1: I got really caught out a little while ago. I was going from the U S to Canada and I think I'd got three avocados for a dollar or something somewhere in New Like, you know, these like little market <laughs> stores you see like, uh, in New York. So I, I got one of those and then, uh, I think I'd eaten one or two of them, but basically I got to the Canadian border and you know, there's like the list of the stuff that you're not allowed and it's like fresh fruit and vegetables and whatever. And I was like, oh no. And th- something just felt really painful about the idea of throwing this avocado away. But <laughs> say, but also, I, it also felt even more painful, the idea of breaking the law and being thrown in a jail cell and all, all, the, <laughs> all the panic that you tell yourself. So I ended up having to throw this avocado just in a bin when I got to the border thing. And it just felt like just such a tragic thing to have to be doing. <laughs> so I'm going to definitely... attached um,
0: to this travel food. Yeah,
1: well, it's just, you know, I think you just think how much, uh, you know, sort of care has been taken to grow that avocado and sort of put it in the supermarket and then for me to buy it. And, you know, it just, it feels like something that you shouldn't just waste. So, like, I hate wasting food generally, but yeah, it just kind of felt like something that was really... Uh, not a nice thing to have to be doing but having learned that lesson now i think i'll be uh, much better prepared for that
0: yeah i, th- I think i probably broken the law a few times by that
1: <laughs> the other one is i had a big <laughs> bag of nuts and it had to i think maybe this is why i did that with the avocado is the time before i had a big bag of, bag of nuts and i had i did declare it and then i had to wait around for so long while they put my whole bag through a whole nother thing <laughs> Just for the sake of this little bag of nuts, and I was like, "Oh, for goodness sake!" You know. So I think maybe that had influenced um, avocado gate as well.
0: Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> yeah, you didn't want to repeat of that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, next time, eat them before you before you get to that point. Is the yeah? Yeah.
1: Well, I'd, I'd done pretty well. I'd eaten, I think, two out of three, but it was just the last one. Mm. Um, so let's talk about the book. So this is my first time co-authoring a book. And your first time writing a book. Mm, so uh, how was it for you? <laughs>
0: um, well, it was quite a journey as well. And uh, very new to to my work. Because most of my work these days, I deliver uh, wellness and nutrition workshops and masterclasses and within a kind of business environment so I go into the workplace and and coach employees directly at work about how these things can influence their lives and so I do a lot of talking basically um, and not a lot of writing so so I'm quite a good talker.
1: There there was definitely weeks through the writing process where that was also the case.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So true yeah thanks for that. Um, Yeah so what I actually ended up doing was talking (laughs) It into my phone about what I'd like to write about and then mm. playing it back to myself and writing it so um that was part of my transition phase into being able to put into words the the work that I was doing on a day-to-day basis um I even actually recorded a whole workshop that I delivered uh so I had like you know my the the things that I was saying and the kind of questions that were being asked because uh, suddenly as I had to put pen to paper well finger to key kind of thing um my mind would go blank and I think oh I don't know anything about this <laughs> so um I'd have to go back to these recordings and say you know just look through them again and say actually I do and these are the questions that are repeatedly being asked and so these are what we need to be answering here in this book Yeah. So I think, um, you know, that was our reason for writing it. The two of us was that we felt that there wasn't necessarily a book for people that were looking to, to access this knowledge in a very bite-sized way, um, that kind of really would impact their productivity in a short term, but be able to practice for a lifetime. And, uh, and so, uh, I think that's, you know, Uh, our reason really for 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 sitting down in the first place and starting it so yeah it was a very great learning journey I guess how was it working working with me as a rookie as a rookie rookie writer
1: (laughs) (laughs) so I think um so my CEO at Icon Books Philip had had convinced me that if I co-authored books it would mean that I would spend half the time on a book and you know, I think he had this idea of well, if we can get Graham co-authoring books, then we'll get more output from Graham, and therefore we will make more money. Uh, I think that was his his thought process. Uh, that was certainly yeah. that was certainly his sensible. persuasion process with me to sign a, a four book deal at the time. But I think for me, it ended up probably taking twice the time, and that's not at all a a sort of um, indictment on you. I think it just meant that every time. We wanted to make changes to something, or, you know, we wanted to make something happen, then we had to kind of talk about that between the three of us. So, me and you and Ellen, our editor. And likewise, you know, if one person's working on a chapter, they have to work on it, then the other person has to read it. And so, just there is, it just feel like there is more time, like, you know, stop, start, or, isn't it? Like more. Collectively, mm-hmm. all going into that process, probably from Ellen. I don't know if Ellen would say the same, our editor, but maybe she would. Um, And although having said that, the other thing that I would say is that I think it would be an even more laborious process if we spent a lot of time disagreeing, which we just didn't at all. I think it was Mm -hmm. a very um, simple process in terms of how aligned we were.
0: Miraculous, really. (laughs) Yeah, I don't
1: think there was anything really where there was kind of huge sort of um, heated disagreement. I think the other thing we, we set out quite clearly at the beginning was this idea um that uh, we have a veto veto rule so basically if, if either of us comes across something that we don't think should make the book then we have the right to veto it and we'll only put stuff in the book that we're both happy with and i think um that's the rule that i first came across from ricky gervais and Stephen merchant's uh interviews around the office i remember hearing Stephen merchant talking about that and thinking oh that's really smart because it just takes away that sort of conflict of ideas and stuff
0: yeah and the emotion that comes with that you know because you can hang on to that for a long time um and i think we had probably a few of those
1: and we probably used it yeah we used it once or twice it wasn't many but but there was a there was a few where that that came up yeah one was about microwaves do you remember that (laughs) (laughs) so so i so my thing was well you know microwaves are a thing that i use and it feels like you know i try not to use them too much but and i don't ever buy sort of microwave meals but i'll use them to like heat up porridge or something um whereas you're like very anti-microwave and and i my argument was well busy people they're going to use microwaves can't we just help them and uh you didn't think that was the right kind of thing to promote um, no and <laughs> And because of the veto rule, rule, it was like, okay, that's cool. Uh, And yeah, I don't think the book's any worse off for not having three sentences about microwaves in it.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And and I'm kind of thinking or say hoping that uh, when you say it was twice the time, but it was hopefully twice the fun because you had this interaction of somebody else.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I really, I loved working with you on it. And I think the other thing I was going to say is I I reckon there was um, a sort of the time where I'd written the first draft of the first chapter. And shared it with you. So we'd done a couple of days together, hadn't we? Where we were Mm -hmm. just kind of brainstorming ideas, and I was just kind of getting a bit of a download out the head. (laughs) Yeah, I was trying to get a bit of a download out of your brain, really, of just you know, tell me what's important here and what are we trying to get across. And then I went away and came up with the first chapter, which turned into the nine essentials of the work for your way. And I remember you maybe maybe you WhatsApp voice messaged me afterwards and said oh man this really captures it and I was so excited that what we'd got there you know really kind of made sense and 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 you were excited about it and that for me was quite a big moment because I think we allowed us to really nail the rest of the structure and kind of hang everything else um on the right hooks off the back of that if that makes sense. Yeah
0: definitely I think that was like pivotal to Getting the motivation going for both of us because you really distilled down all of my talking. We spent a whole day and I chatted a lot, and you were just kind of let's bring it back to that first point again, collect so, <laughs> Can we just go through that? So why would that be important? You know, and I was like, oh well, you know, and I go down. All of these different rabbit holes, as I do when I'm talking about things that I'm passionate about, you go, okay, let's move on from that one now. Okay, that's finished, Colette. and I think
1: that was one of my that was one of my catchphrases, wasn't it? When, on on the calls, it was. it was just like that's a rabbit hole. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so we're going to move on from that now, and, uh, yeah. and and yeah, and I think we had. Um, quite a lot at the time in terms of we, we we got it down to the nine essentials which is what you encapsulated but we had a number of points and what we actually really felt was that they could be pulled together because some were similar and that kind of thing so it was just a really great process to to go through and and I think you know for anyone co-authoring in a book spending that those days together starting with a blank sheet of paper you know it really was um yeah the way to do it
1: were you very daunted by the idea of the blank page at the beginning
0: I think it was more that uh I could I was doing all of the clever procrastination things and going down the rabbit holes a lot so <laughs> I'd think about a point I wanted to make but yeah. then I would think oh no I need to substantiate that and so I'd go straight to to like clinical papers, Googling them or going into some of the reference sites that I have and, and trying to find them on. Say, for example, hydration. And then I'd spend a whole day on it. And then i go, I haven't written anything yet. Um, yeah. so, so there was, a, there was definitely yeah, yeah. Um, some scary moments like that. And and then I think, you know, we, 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 we talked about, well, how do you eat an elephant? And you just have to just keep on. Biting off little chunks and yeah, even if I've only, one bite at a time. One bite yeah. at a time, yeah. And, and and just write, even if I could get a hundred words about hydration, that's better than doing another um two hours of research. And that mentality started to build thank you for listening today to the very first work Fuel podcast. I hope you have found this useful, relevant, and inspiring. Remember, this is just part one of the two part series with Graham Olcott. And as a bonus, you don't have to wait for part two. It's actually ready to go. So if you have time to listen now, or at least please download it for later. Part two is all about our nine essentials of the work fuel way. This is chapter one in our book. Together, we wanted to create an approach that was simple to understand. Easy to live by, and yet still could have a profound effect on people's energy and productivity. It's not a cookbook, work fuel, and this is not a diet plan, but it's actually how to live life with more energy, making informed daily choices that fuel your body, not just for a few weeks, but sustainably. So, let us introduce you to the nine essentials of the work fuel way. This podcast is produced by Podiant. To find out more, visit podiantproductions.com.